Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I am in the beautiful Studio B. I feel like I was just here. This is Studio B, you're right. With, I'm in here with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick, how are you? I'm, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, too, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm feeling a little loopy because I was in here very late last night. We, we yeah. recorded a podcast with uh, Jeremy Gimpel. Long time coming, having Jeremy come uh, to Beit Tehila. Five years in the making. Five years in the making. And uh, I would just say that I think that uh, some good work was done. Amen. Some good relationship building and all that stuff was uh, what happened. And so I was excited about that. Um, so uh, the YouTube of his message when he came here should be up on our YouTube channel this week. So look out Hopefully, for that. Yeah. On the Beit Tehila YouTube channel, not necessarily on the Christians with Torah one. And then uh, we also have some other guests from Israel that are coming. August is like guests from Israel month because, wow. I mean, a lot of good stuff. Kicking it off with Jeremy Gimpel in two weeks on the 16th. That's a Monday night. We have Avi Lipkin. Uh, and Avi has always had awesome things to say. He is, um, you know, very, uh, uh, I mean, very learned when it comes to, you know, a geopolitics and things like that, a worldwide right. things that are going on and the, the pieces of the puzzle. So a very interesting message that he'll bring on the 16th. And then uh, Lars Anderson will be here. With his wife, Harriet. With his wife, Harriet. That's right. And yeah, I believe uh, his granddaughter, Shia. That's right. And uh, they'll be here on the 21st, which is a Shabbat, and also on the 23rd, which is a Monday. So we're excited to have Lars again. Um, and we've done a podcast with Lars in the past as well. So... All, all cool things. Now, if that's not enough stuff going on, right, let's just toss into the mix here that Teshuvah is coming up. Now, Teshuvah is going to be uh, from Elul 1 all the way to Tishri 10, which is August 8th through September 16th. That's a, a 40-day period of yes. returning in repentance to God. Absolutely. And then we, as a congregation, are doing a Daniel fast starting on August 8th and then, uh, for 21 <laughs> days uh, going all the way to August 29th. That's right. And so we have uh, we have some some work to do. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Exactly right. And prepare ye the way is starts with preparing our hearts, preparing ourselves with prayer and fasting. And um, you know, in 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 previous years, you know, I've done good with the fast. This year, I, I want to really focus on prayer um, as my my focus. That uh, that's right. You know, the whole point of the fast is to get into prayer. Amen. So. If you are watching this for the first time, thank you for being here. Uh, Christians with Torah, we believe the Torah is relevant for believers today. And uh, I can tell you it's a big unifier throughout the world at this time, which is really exciting. And uh, this week we're studying the Torah portion, Re'eh, which means see. And it's the Torah portion found in the book of Deuteronomy. And it begins in chapter 11, (coughs) starting in verse 26 and ending in chapter 16 and verse 17. All right. Well, we got five key words found in the book of Deuteronomy. We have remember, obey, blessing, curse, and covenant. These are five key words found. So basically, we have uh, Deuteronomy 
uh, chapter 11, verse 26. I'm going to just read a few verses here. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. Amen. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. But turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which you have not known. And it shall come to pass when the Lord thy God hath brought thee in unto the land, whither thou goest to possess it, that thou shalt put the blessing upon Mount Gerizim and the curse upon Mount Ebal. Are they not on the other side, Jordan, by the way, where the sun goeth down in the land of the Canaanites, which dwell in the Champagne, over against Gilgal, beside the plains of Moray? For you shall pass over Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you, and you shall possess it and dwell therein. And you shall observe to do all the statutes and judgments which I set before you this day. Hallelujah. So there you go. You want to take it over from here? I would love to. So what two things did God set before the people? A blessing and a curse. Very clear contrast. Blessing, God's way. Curse, the other way. So Mount Ebal's not cursed, but that's where the curse will be proclaimed if Correct. you don't keep it. That's right. Yeah, because nothing's cursed over there. That's right. And our guest Aaron Lipkin, right, who was just here, he's making you know uh, light of the fact that they've found Joshua's altar on Mount Abel. Yeah. And you can go there. Right? Yeah. You can go and visit it. And so how cool is that? And so the blessing was put on Mount Gerizim, and the curse was to be put upon Mount Abel. Now that's exciting. Of course, Hayovel, this organization is is on. Mount Gerizim. Yeah. I do believe for quite a few years now. Oh, yeah, for thir- 15 years. At least. Yep. Mount Gerizim. So the we, we have. It's yeah. called Harbacha, which means the Mount of Blessing, uh, which is uh, up on the top of, of Mount Gerizim. And that's where they. And that's where they are. Help the Jewish farmers. They right. prune, they plant, they harvest. Yeah, absolutely. All over Samaria. And that's what they're called to do and be. It's pretty cool. That's right. And so. Um, moving on to chapter 12, God says to worship only in the special place, right? So he's going to, he's foretelling the fact right. that he is going to put his name somewhere that he's going to, going to give a place. And so did the Lord have a special place where he would put, place his name and the people could offer up their sacrifices? He does have a special place where he would place his name. The answer is yes. And even in 1611... It says, And thou shalt rejoice before the Lord thy God, thou and thy sons, and thy daughter, and thy manservant, and thy maidservant, and the Levite that is within thy gates, and the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow that are among you, in the place which the Lord thy God hath chosen to place his name there. So it's illusion. It's the place where God has chosen to place his name there. Now, we, of course, know that this is the Temple Mount uh today right mount moriah mount moriah and moriah in hebrew means you know the place god chooses <laughs> literally and you know that's interesting so it's, it's in, it is interesting because when abraham goes there he's calling it moriah it is a, a place and the fact that it means the place that god chooses is interesting amen and so israel was not allowed to make sacrifices just anywhere they wanted they couldn't just go willy-nilly making sacrifices however they were allowed and they were not allowed to eat the blood of animals um, and of course, you know, uh, Leviticus seventeen eleven. very interesting. Leviticus seventeen eleven. looking at a spiritual law here for the life of the flesh is in the blood and I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. So 
When we look at spiritual laws, Ryan, one of them is the body and the blood. Because when Adam and Eve sinned, they covered themselves with fig leaves, which agriculturally speaking, you know, it's agriculture, it's vegetation. Right. Um, God says, no, no, when you sin, there has to be a body and blood. And so he gave them coats of skin. So a body had to die from an animal and the blood was, was shed. So that's just a principle. Um, and of course, once again, it says here, Israel is not allowed to eat the blood of animals. And so vampires are really popular. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. But, uh, it's interesting that, uh, I won't show the picture, but. There, there was a book I saw at Books a Million. It was called Banicula. It was about a vampire rabbit <laughs> called Banicula. <laughs> so this rabbit is going to go south on us. And start, yeah, that's This crazy. rabbit's not going to want carrots anymore. No. It's going to want blood. Yeah. So, it's creepy. Can you yeah, know? that is creepy. So that's just like, you know, you're twisting what God has given us and done and turned into horror or whatever. And that you actually, uh, you know, get youth from sucking the blood. That's what Dracula does. You know, he stays young. And so there's only certain ways that you can kill him, you know, and different things. But, you know, um, the thing is, you know, uh, the culture of vampires and everything. But this is what we're dealing with. Uh, The whole vampire thing is very strange, right? Because they're not alive. They're undead you know i mean it's just a well yeah so you're not allowed to eat the blood of animals weird so like i know mrs camel from england would talk about blood pudding or whatever so let's let's move on down the line here so so obviously god is is alluding here to the temple mountain so the question then begs why is the temple mount so special i would like to go back to the garden of eden i believe that it's the garden of eden and of course, they were kicked out from the east, right? Yeah. They had to go east. What's east? But Babylon, right? So you get kicked out from the east because you get the sea at your at your uh, to the west. Uh, also, Abraham was going to offer up Isaac there. We have the dome of the rock. Yep. So the dome covers the rock, supposedly where Abraham was going to offer up Isaac. And also, that's the very place where uh, creation started. Yeah. From there, Adam and Eve and everything. So, so I, I, I think it's amazing that the Dome of the Rock has been there since what, six hundred and ninety two A.D. The Dome of the Rock has been that there. long. I, mean, that's, I know that's the inception, and of it's life. actually survived wars and earthquakes, and even at one time, I think back in nineteen sixty seven or maybe maybe before that, there was a story told that it was full of ammunition and gunpowder. Oh yeah, and I always tell the joke, you know, hey, one camel <laughs> could have lit it up. Yeah. Yeah, somewhere between 685 and 691 A.D. That's incredible yeah. because, um, you know, Islam only began what? like. But that's not the abomination of desolation that people are talking about in the Bible. It's just the Dome of the Rock. No. And I was told that that's actual real gold plated around that Dome of the Rock. It's that's incredible. Good. So I have to kind of research that out a little more. Yeah, I mean, look, that's what? I mean, that's 1,400 years. Yeah. Uh, I would think that Yeshua would be back by now if that was the desolation you know? So, so that's that's important, and uh, and the future Temple Mount is going to be important. You know, we can get into all that for, for the sake of time. We won't, but uh, you know, it's interesting that uh, he goes on to say here, "What things soever I command you, observe to do it. Thou shalt not add thereto, nor diminish from it." You know, it's kind of interesting. Don't add or take away. The Jews have added to the Word of God. We know, and Christians have taken away from the Word of God. Yeah, and God is like saying, you know, don't 
don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. You know, uh, you know, and, and Jesus would come along and say, you have heard that it's been said, but I tell you, you know, and he actually raises the bar. But uh, any, any words on that, Ryan, that you can think of? Well, I mean, just real quick, going back to the Temple Mount, why it's so special. I mean, Mount Moriah, again, literally means the place that God chooses. It's special because God chose it. Right. I mean, that that in yeah. and of itself makes it special. And then to think that, um, you know, the four rivers at <clears throat> one time, you know, all cul- you started in that place. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then you have the Garden of Eden, as you mentioned. I mean, all of those things. And then you've had two temples that have been there. Right. You had the the Akedah, right. The the binding of Isaac. All of these things happened in this place. And it, um, even they say that uh, the Bethel that is spoken of in the story of Jacob is the Temple Mount, right? Where there's a, a portal, right? A, a, a ladder or a staircase. Angels you know, going up and down. And angels going up and down it. And I can tell you from my personal experience being on the Temple Mount, being at the Kotel, I mean, there is some thick spiritual, you know, interference. There's stuff going on there. And I remember just being at the Kotel and just feeling like almost like the weight of the prayers of the people that came before me, just like like going up. Right. And it's uh, it's an incredible, incredible place. So it's special because of logical reasons that I can show you in Scripture and we could check some boxes and say this is special. But I also think that there's an experience when you go there that you won't get anywhere else. This and, is true. They call it the center of the universe. Yeah. And then, you know, last but not least, you know, on the word of God. Um, you mentioned that, that Jews have added to the Word of God with the Talmud and the Mishnah and the Gomorrah and the sages and all the writings and things like that. Um, but you know, tr- truly both of us have taken away and added to the Word of God to kind of fit our interests, you right. know? And so uh, the Christians have said, oh, well, I have the laws done away with, right? So we can just, you know, live free and you know, do whatever we want. We have Christian liberty and all these things, when really they don't realize that liberty is in Torah. Uh, right. And it's a paradigm shift to understanding that. That's right. Um, and I would encourage people to to really just dig into the Torah. I mean, we've had four years of podcasts. Go back and listen. You know, I mean, there's so much that you can go and 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 read and study in this. We don't. We scratch the surface, and we've been doing this for four years. That's right. The Jewish people have been doing this what for you know, thirty five hundred years. Yeah. So it's in- incredible. Now, um, moving into Deuteronomy thirteen yeah. verses one through five, the false prophets. Ryan, what do you got for me? All right. You want to read one through five? No, we're okay. Okay. So. Uh, were people warned about false prophets and those who have dreams? Yes. Yes, they were. Now, I had an interesting conversation uh, about this, and that there's a test here in Deuteronomy 13 of um, who is a false prophet and who is not, right? And so the false prophet or dreamer could do signs and wonders in order to lead the people astray. But here's the problem, right? I think that we're going to get to the verse here that talks about the test of a yeah. prophet, right? So I'm going to keep going, and then when we get there, we'll, we'll get to that okay. point. So would God allow the false prophet or dreamer to be in the congregation to test his people? Yes. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. So God would allow a plant, right? You know, something that's in the... It's like the wheat and the tares growing up together, kind of like... As he allows it to happen. And so Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 5 says this. And that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he hath spoken to turn away from the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of bondage to thrust thee out of the way which the Lord thy God commanded thee to walk in. So shalt thou put evil away from the midst of thee. Now that's verse 5, I think. Um, 
So it says here um, that the signs, they'll do signs and wonders, and then they'll say, let us go after other gods. That's in verse 2, which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Verse 3 says, thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God proveth you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Now, you've mentioned this many times in teachings. I can't even tell you how many times I've heard you say this, that people drawing people to themselves, right? A prophet comes and it's, oh, look at the signs and wonders that I can do. You know, even Yeshua, God in the flesh, right? The son of God, king of kings, Lord of lords is like, I can only do what my father says. Look yeah. to him, 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 yeah. him, him, him. He him, wasn't him, into him. sensationalism. He, well, I mean, I would... I would say he's kind of into sensation. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, as far as the purpose of that. Like, here's two fish. I mean, he can do feed it. Feed the 5,000. But he can do it. You know, he can Well, run. and that's, that's the point. But the whole point of what he's doing is he's saying he's doing these things and using it in its proper context to, to point people to God, right? To point people to the Father. Um, whereas right. these, these dreamers of dreams and these prophets are doing these things, and they're drawing people unto themselves. And what is the, what is the, the punishment for someone that's a false prophet to be stoned to be it actually says the punishment for the close relative who would try to lead god's people astray would be stoned the relative of the one trying to be led astray had to be thrown had to throw the first stone god commanded his people to destroy the whole city if the inhabitants tried to get the people to serve other gods and of course uh, all the spoil of the city was burned with fire so the first scenario is a prophet or dreamer in your midst. Uh, the, the second scenario is a relative, a spouse, or a friend would lead you astray. Third scenario is, of course, the, the cities. That there would be those in the city. Yeah. The city would lead people astray. You know, Ryan, uh, my little note here is, just so we're, you know, understanding this. In, in regards to false prophets, they always lead people to themselves and not to God. Jeremiah 14, verses 13 through 15. I want to read this to you. Then said I, Ah, Lord, God, behold, the prophets say unto them, You shall not see the sword, neither shall ye have famine, but I will give you assured peace in this place. Then the Lord said unto me, The prophets prophesy lies in my name. I sent them not, neither have I commanded them, neither spake unto them. They prophesy unto you a false vision and divination and a thing of naught, and the deceit of their heart. Therefore thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets that prophesy in my name, and I sent them not, yet they say sword and famine shall not be in this land. By sword and famine shall those prophets be consumed. So, Jeremiah is the prophet. He's the correspondent in Jerusalem. But if we go to Ezekiel, okay, if we go to Ezekiel, this is the case what about the ones that are in captivity were there false prophets among those i would say yes in ezekiel 13 verse 1 and the word of the lord came unto me saying son of man prophesy against the prophets of israel that prophesy and say thou unto them that prophesy out of their own hearts hear ye the word of the lord thus saith the lord god woe unto the foolish prophets that follow their own spirit and have seen nothing O Israel, thy prophets are like the foxes in the deserts. Ye have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge for the house of the Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. They have seen vanity and lying divination, mm. saying, The Lord saith, and the Lord hath not sent them. And they have made others to hope 
that they would confirm the word. Have you not seen a vain vision? And have you not spoken a lying divination? Whereas you say, the Lord saith it, albeit I have not spoken. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because you have spoken vanity and seen lies. Therefore, behold, I am against you, saith the Lord God. It goes into some other punishments and things. But this is what we're dealing with today. And so when I say that there's a reconciliation of Jews and Gentiles, some people are saying, no, there isn't. Yeah, right. <laughs> they keep putting the enmity up between the Jew and the Gentile. They just keep putting the enmity up. It's, it's just sad. You know, like I said, the three stages are the prophet or dreamers in your midst. Number two, a relative, a spouse, or a friend could do this to you, or even those men that would be in a city. Now, so. there is, and I thought it was in this Torah portion, and I was mistaken. It's, it's a chapter later. Um, in chapter 18, verse 22, it says this, When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken. But the prophet has spoken it presumptuously. Thou shalt not be afraid of him. And where's that at? That's uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 22. And, and, and even you know, the verse Oh, before, wow, that's a good verse. And it even says, And if thou say in thine heart, right, how shall we know the word which the Lord hath not spoken? Because, you know, this is how many times have we all, you know, had somebody come up and give us a word, you know, or something like that. Right. And, and that's part of the reason why we have to be careful, you know, what we say to people, you know, when, especially right. when we start to use the thus saith the Lord, you know, like we can read out of this book and say thus says the Lord because it's right here. You right. Know? Um, but when it comes to, you know, extra biblical revelation, you know, something that God has, you know, put on your heart, um, you know, going and then telling somebody that, you know, if if what you're telling them doesn't come to pass, guess what? Right. False prophet. And so that's that's not not a good road. You know, there were quite a few, I want to say, maybe modern day prophets that said that Trump would be reelected. By a landslide, they said. Well, I won't get into all that, but yeah. that's that's a false prophecy. Well, and of course, there's still some people out there holding out saying that, well, he did win. They cheated, you know, but I, I, you know, when you see somebody, you know, in your vision being inaugurated and all that in a landslide victory. God exalts, God brings down. He does. He's in charge. Let's move on. Yeah. All right. So Deuteronomy chapter 14, clean and unclean food. So why don't you go and read that? Yeah, I will. I'm going to start. Just, 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 I guess read uh, one through three. Yeah, just read one through three. All right, it says, Ye are the children of the Lord your God. Ye shall not cut yourselves, nor make any baldness between your eyes for the dead. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. Thou shalt not eat any abominable thing. So the word peculiar is segula. Yeah. He's holding you in his hand. Yeah. He's not wearing you. Right. You know, so we're not here to impress everyone or anyone. There's no hierarchy. If you hear his voice, keep his covenant, you will be above all people. You know, the Lord's been showing me in my in my prayer time that I just hear this voice that you're fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. You're fulfilling prophecy. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. Because who do you have to impress? Yeah. You just do it. It's like Nike. Yeah. You just do just it. Just do it. So, you know, that's, uh, that's incredible. Segula. It is incredible. And so did the Lord forbid his people t- uh, to cut themselves? 
Absolutely. Right. So when uh, the, the commandments about tattoos, the commandments about cutting themselves, balding yourself for the dead, right? All of these things are, are pagan rituals that are being, are, there's a prohibition against. Um, just in case, I probably wouldn't, you know, do any of those things. Some people are into the branding too, like a hot iron branding. Really? Cutting. Is that like yeah, a like a brand, thing? you know, like, like yeah. you do the cattle. Yeah, I get that. You see some people get branded. Oh, that's right, like fraternities and stuff. Yeah. You see that, the branding. I, yep. think, I don't think God's into branding. No, I don't think he is either. So did God tell his people to eat only clean meats? Yes. So here's my statement. All right. God tells us what we can and cannot eat. Thank God. So here's the situation. In Levit- Leviticus chapters 1 through 17 is the way to God. Yeah. Chapters 18 to 27 is the walk with God. There's just two parts to Leviticus. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so when you say, well, I'm going to eat whatever I want, well, then are you really making your way to God? I say no. Yeah. I say no. If you listen to anything, you'll eat anything. Yeah. And the thing is about hearing is that whatever you hear, you repeat. Yeah. And that's why there's a lot of false media, false news stories, lies. Yeah. Because people just repeat them. Right. Like these celebrities that supposedly died and they come online on their social media. No, I'm still alive. But we spread it. Oh, he died. No, I'm still alive. Yeah. So it's a it's lie. It's funny that you say that. My dad just had that happen to him. Not somebody saying he was actually, you know what? He had a vendor, I guess, years and years ago when I was a kid in his business and that he bought things from. And then he had heard that he had died. Somebody said that he had died. So then when my dad, when we moved down here to Tampa and he started doing the similar business, he never called the guy, right? And he was like his favorite vendor, but he thought he was dead. <laughs> so somebody posted something online saying they were talking to this guy. And lo and behold, my dad's like, wait a second, what? So he calls him up and there he is on the phone. He's like, I thought you were dead. <laughs> no, I don't want to be dead. I'm alive. <laughs> and he's like, wait, I thought you were dead. <laughs> They both thought each other was dead. It's like, how weird is that? I guess that? you can't talk to each other if you think you're dead. That was just this week. It was funny that you said that. All right, so let's go into uh, what the requirements are of what to eat, what not to eat. Right, so how do you determine whether an animal was clean or not? So a split hoof and choose the cud. That's right, so a, a cloven hoof and choose the cud. Now, why couldn't the children of Israel eat swine? It has a split hoof. But does not chew the cud. So it's that simple. So like you can have a bison burger, bison. Yeah. Uh, you can have, you know, beef. You can have, you know, what else? Goat. Yeah. Lamb. You know, I've posed the question. If they could genetically modify pigs so that they would chew the cud, would they be clean? Yes. <laughs> genetically modified i don't know i don't know yeah you know i don't i think that maybe god has something in here about not genetically modifying your food you know everything serves a purpose and i think the the principle is there's clean and unclean realms amen yeah you know so well, and clean i think and we instinctively realms. get a principle from this yeah the jews don't even consider anything unclean even as food well so correct. it's not even yeah. roma which right. is the greek word for food i guess all right so so we don't just eat land animals right um, we also eat things that come out of the sea. So what are the requirements, the two things that are required for something that we eat that comes out of the water? What's the best tuna chicken of the sea? Fins and scales? Fins and scales. You're Fins right. and scales. <laughs> so like octopus, no, can't eat that. No calamari. Yeah. Can't have crabs, can't have lobster. Yeah. And you know, listen, I'm, 
I'm a Tampa native, right? And I'm Cuban. So, Ooh. so like crab and shallow. Oh, how about the devil crabs? Devil crabs. Remember devil crabs with hot sauce? Oh, listen. Terrible. So. <laughs> terrible. Uh, terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> That's uh, Charles Barkley. Uh, That's yeah. terrible. Oh, it's terrible. I remember being a kid, you know what I mean? That being like a thing, you know? And it's so funny how now I look at those things and I'm like, ugh, you know? Like, wh- why? <laughs> you know, but it's like God does that to us, right? So you start to get in covenant with him and the Holy Spirit, right, is going to do those things for you. Like, walk yeah. by the, the pork aisle at the grocery store and I'm kind of like, oh, that's. I mean, you think of some of these ingredients. Oh, scary. Yeah. Yeah, no. Well, and the to, devil's the devil's in the food chain. To that end, you know, uh, Dave and Sherry Orcutt, who spoke on this past Shabbat, uh, who are health ministers with the High, um, not the Highvale, the Hallelujah Acres organization. Uh, they're here. What a, what a treasure we have right here in our community. Our health ministers, yeah. You know, people that can can teach about you know the things that truly are healthy and why they're healthy. That's right. So you, you can't have catfish. No. You can have uh, snapper. Flounder, yeah, I like bass, pepper. grouper. I like all the things you just mentioned. You know, I would be cod. Talking. Yeah, fish and chips, salmon. cod, salmon. Yeah. All right. So, what then was to be tithed by God's people? The increase of the seed that the field brings year by year. The tithing principle: a tenth. A tithe is a tenth in the Hebrew. So ten percent. Yeah, that's what is to be tithe. Very interesting. Number 10. And 10 is a minion. That's what Abraham, you know, was. If he had 10 righteous, would you spare the city? Ten tribes and that's why they have a minion today, which is 10 men. In order to pray publicly, you need 10 men to pray publicly. A minion. Hmm. So I got to be on the airplane. I got to get sucked into the Jewish groups because even though I was a Gentile, they needed 10. They didn't care. Yeah. So I got to be a part of their, their morning prayer. Mm, gotcha. It was pretty cool. So you have another note here. You have another note here for chapter fourteen. Yeah, 21. yeah. You want to talk about sure. that a little bit? Well, just, I just, you know, just I bring it up. I don't want to steal your note. Just full disclosure. You go ahead. Full disclosure. I, I, uh, I left my notes at home, and so I had to make a photocopy of Pastor Nick's notes. And they're good, aren't they? And they are good. And they're so, delicious. But I don't want to jump the gun and like no, steal your notes. No, let's 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 kind of talk about this out of respect. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because so that's you know Deuteronomy chapter fourteen twenty one states. It says, you shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. And that's the English Standard Version, a little excerpt from that verse. Yeah, ESV. So, you shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. And so, this has been extrapolated into a command uh, within kosher... um, Judaism. Judaism, right? Kashrut, I believe they call it. And uh, they do not eat meat and milk together. Meat and dairy. Meat and dairy, right. Separate. Right. Meat over here, dairy over here. Right, because because of this this law. Now, what's cool about that is that uh, they really believe that and they do it, and it's a way that they honor God. And that's know? a culture thing, and, and I respect it. I really do. Yep. You know, uh, teach his own. Yeah. Uh, I I just kind of made the joke years ago, since we're talking about this, but I do respect Judaism and I do respect the Jewish people, and I would never want to do anything to disqualify myself in that area, but. I was just reading in here. Right here. Let's see here. Let's see here. 
I thought this was kind of interesting. It's about Abraham. Right. It's about Abraham. And uh, let's see here. Where is it at? Right before Sodom and Gomorrah. It's where the angel, the two angels and God come to Abraham. Here it is. In, in Genesis 18, it's kind of interesting. It says here that, uh, it says here that, um, and Abraham ran into the herd and fetched a calf tender and good, gave it unto a young man, and he hastened to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. So I, the joke is. Cheeseburger and paradise. Yeah. Got to eat a cheeseburger with the two angels. Jimmy Buffett. You know, it's just a little joke. But anyway, because it says right here, and he took butter and milk and the calf, which he addressed, and set it before them. So, they, so there's meat and dairy together. So, so But I'm just bringing out a point. You know, God ate a cheeseburger. It's kind of funny, but the no disrespect th- to the Jewish people. There is an people. alternate view of that verse. And the alternate view is that the calf came later because, obviously, you know, the, the cheese and the curds and everything could have been something that they ate. And then later they had the calf because it would have taken a while to dress it and, you know, all of that. Yeah, that's, that's that's fine. Yeah, and so that's I'm mean, no, I'm good with that. Listen, I respect Judaism. I, I especially like it when people have a reason behind what they believe, right? So right. I don't necessarily have to buy into the reason or agree with the reason, but if I can look at something and you have a reason, I'm like, and Sweet. maybe that's uh, something that the um, I the, like that. the heathens did, the nations did that that you're not supposed to do. Well, for sure, the boiling a of a goat thing. in its mother's milk is strange, right? Yeah, and that's it's kind of sick. You're taking the the thing that gives life, right? That's kind of sick, and you're. You're taking, you know, death, and you're putting those two things together. Right. It's a little strange, a strange mingling, so to speak. So, so uh, let's the, get into the uh, the tithe. So, if the distance was too long to bring the fruit of the land, the children of Israel could bring money instead. So, let's say that you're off in your local village. Right. You guys harvest the wheat, and there's just no way you're going to be able to take ten percent. Interesting. Up. So you can then. Redeem that for money. Right. You have to carry everything. And then you, when you get Less there, carry-ons. you can do something with it from there. Now, That's right. The Levite was not to be forsaken within the gates. And so um, you know, Deuteronomy 14.27 is, is basically a command that says we need to take care of the people that are taking care of us, right? Just because they're doing something spiritual does not mean that they don't get the pragmatic value out of it. It's interesting. Like uh, David Ben-Gurion you know, passed the law and said that we need those to study the Torah all the time. Yeah. That's all they do is study the Torah. Study, study, study. Pray, pray, pray. Yeah. And so that's uh, that's what's going on in this world even today. But uh, there is an additional tithe every third year. It's for the benefit of the landless who are poor. So the landless people, they don't own land. The the the, the, the This is actually found in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 28 and 29. This would consist of Levites, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. Wow, yeah. So that was an additional tithe every third year for them. So then, then this clearly is in some way, shape, or form... Uh, it's a social program. A, a safety net, right? A, I think so. Taking everybody's resources, putting it into a pot, and then distributing it to the poor. Um, oh, yeah. To help them, which I think that... Wow, how cool, right? I mean, it's right here. Well, it's like our church has benevolence to help people. You right. give to the community, you get from the community. So we have benevolence. So let's check out Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. We have here the seventh year, or it's the sabbatical year. What took place every seven years? Uh, a release. 
The so would the 8th year be considered the Shemitah? Is that how it works? No, the 7th year. You know year, it better than I do. The 7th year would be considered the Shemitah. 7th year is a Shemitah. Right. So the 7th year would be considered the Shemitah, and then, uh, and then you have your 49 years, and in the 49th year at your... But it says here every 7 years. This is... Right. So this is every 7 years. So at the end of 7 years, you do the Shemitah. Right. Okay. So, no, I'm sorry. You have... It's, it's like a Sabbath, so 6 years, and then a 7th, the 7th year is um a sabbath year a, a sabbath year a sabbatical year Correct. so it says in deuteronomy 15 6 for the lord thy god blesseth thee as he promised thee and thou shalt lend unto many nations but thou shalt not borrow thou shalt reign over many nations but they shall not reign over thee so here it's kind of interesting about lending and borrowing it says here uh, I, I would say debt is a sin it really is. Debt is a sin. We've got to work to pay off our bills, our it's debts. A bold, it's a bold statement. Don't pay money you don't have. Don't yeah. spend money you don't have. Uh, in Proverbs 22, 7, it says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave of the lender. Wow. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. Hard to get around that, huh? So, you know, it's, it's just the way it is, you know. I mean, uh, wherever you're... Your heart is, that's where your checkbook is. Yeah. And you give to what you believe in. You know, right. just like Jeremy Gimbel on the farm that's and the right. prophecies and the dream. That's right. You know, so everything that he gets goes into that to go out again. You know, so it's, that's true. Well, it's, I mean, talk about people cool. that have a vision and then literally took everything they have and put it into the vision. So any of us that would sit there and be skeptical, we would, we would be uh, remiss. Yeah, we would be in not a good place yeah. to not actually acknowledge that's a great dream. Oh, yeah. And it's coming to pass, and it's been provided for. Oh, yeah. You know, thank you, Holy Spirit. If God gives you a vision, he'll give you provision. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah, so. If your vision aligns with God's vision, then the provision is an afterthought. I mean, that's going to happen. So the children of Israel are to help their brethren if they were poor. Also, the Lord said that there would always be poor people in the land. Can you read Matthew twenty six eleven? Uh, I can, but I believe it says something along the lines of the poor Matthew twenty six eleven. And what's the scenario here? Is Yeshua Jesus carrying the cross? Uh, uh, Going so forward, twenty six eleven. All right. So, um, so Jesus is in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper. And there came a woman with the alabaster box, right? They're sitting down at dinner, and she, you know, basically pours out this spike nard uh, to anoint him. Um, and they started making some indignation, saying, to what purpose is this waste? You know, this is very expensive yeah. oil. It's a year's wages worth of oil. Uh, for this ointment might not have been sold for much, and or might have been sold for much and given to the poor. And so when Jesus understood it, he said, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me you have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, where, whoso, where, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath, what, that this woman hath done be told for a memorial. So she showed honor at that time to that person at that event. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. It's honoring the person at that time, which yeah. is so important. Yeah. Um, it goes on to say in Deuteronomy fifteen twelve, And if thy brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, be sold unto thee and serve thee six years, then in the seventh year thou shalt let him go free from thee. That's pretty cool. 
It is cool. So this is a different kind of uh, six years and then on the seventh. Gotcha. Gotcha. So Hebrew could become a servant to another Hebrew forever. In order for a Hebrew servant to signify he would serve forever, he would have an all thrust through his ear at the door. And, and it so says that he uh, loved his master so much right. that he wanted to stay that he could. It was a, there's free will there. There's um, a difference between a servant and a bond servant. Bond um, servant is a little deeper. Well, and in either a little case, more involved there. Yeah, yeah. So, what was sanctified unto the Lord? All the firstling males that come from the herd and the flock, because that's found in Exodus. Remember, he said, "All the firstborn are mine." Some people would ask, well, how could God take all the firstborn of Egypt? Well, because they're his. Yeah. See, I'm a firstborn. Right. My wife's a firstborn. Josiah's a firstborn. Pastor Tikva's a firstborn. The, you know, we belong to the Lord. So it's like we need to do his bidding. Mm. And then it goes down the line. Yeah. And wherever you're at in the birth order, so I'm needs the youngest, to keep in order. Which means I'm free to just roam about the cabin. Well, what happens is it rolls down. If the firstborn doesn't take the mantle, yeah. you can end up with the youngest, like a Moses gotcha. well, my, my or a David. My brother runs my family's business to this day. No, I'm just he's, saying. He's I'm just thing, saying you know? that as far as the the bidding of the Lord yes, to do His yeah. bidding. Oh yeah, well, See, I'm definitely. There's the one an active that. part of the family and an inactive part. Yeah, yeah. Now they're 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 living, they're doing, but they're inactive, meaning that they're not really in the plan of God. Yeah but they're still a part of your family. Mm, and that's yeah. what we see in the Bible. Is we see the genealogies. You'll see where there's an active part, but they'll mention the inactive part in the genealogies. But sure. Like, and many times, I mean, God, we see, you know, with Jacob and Esau, right? We saw it with um, uh, Isaac and Ishmael. We saw, you know, many times Ephraim and the rest of the tribes. And we see so many times where God goes and, and changes up the order because of merit Right. Rather than, you know, just the birth. And actually it talks about in Proverbs, a servant can become a son. Right. You can adopt. Yep. And then they get full rights as sons with inheritance and everything. So we're going to close it out with a big bang. Boom, 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 boom. In Deuteronomy 16, we have the three festivals each year. So uh, what do you think there, Ryan? Uh, Well, the three festivals each year are Pesach, which is Passover, Shavuot, or weeks, which is Pentecost, and Sukkot, which is Tabernacles. So those are the three national feasts. Right. We know we have the Sabbath, the seven of the feasts, a total of eight. But here are the three national feasts. Um, what else, Ryan, do we have here? Well, the children of Israel are commanded not to eat any leaven for seven days during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Wow. And so there are seven weeks counted between the Feast of Passover and the Feast of Weeks, hence the name weeks and so you count seven sabbaths plus one day and that's how you get to pentecost and that's how we yeah celebrate pentecost every saturday night it'll be, a, it'll be a saturday night. it'll be always on a saturday night and so the children of israel are to celebrate for seven days during the feast of tabernacles now listen i know the torah is hard i know that it's bondage i know it's rough but there's you know? a party you know it's it's, it's it weighs you down oh. you know but let me and the commandments are tough but this is the toughest of them all you ready you will celebrate for seven whole days. I like that. Now, I'm sorry I had to do that to you. I know that was rough, but just don't feel like you're partying enough. Oh, man. God <laughs> loves the party. So Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 4 says, And thou shalt rejoice in thy feast, thou and thy son and thy daughter and thy manservant and thy maidservant and the Levite, the stranger and the fatherless and the widow within thy gates. A commandment to rejoice. You know, Even the stranger. Hey, I want to join you guys. Come on. 
Yeah, I just, I love these verses, you know, because it's just so good. Like, God is telling us to rejoice, right? We have him. We have his commands. That's right. He's got a plan. He's got a redemptive plan being played out. He must love us. I like it. I know he loves you. Yeah, I I need that. And all of you, all of you here watching and listening, he loves you. That's right. So, moving right along, what three times during the year were all males to appear before the Lord in the place that he would choose? And in da-da-da, the three national feast days, right? Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. So during those three times a year, all males were to go up, and then in the seventh year, everybody, everybody had to go up. So this is... Deuteronomy sixteen sixteen also be reminded that this is where we find the congregational Passover, which is the second one because Exodus twelve is the is the family Passover. Then we go into the congregational Passover. Families make up congregations, so that's the congregational Passover. The third one would be the personal Passover, and then the fourth one is of course the marriage of the Lamb. Uh, the other reference to the three national feast days, if we could get another witness, because we need two, not just one. Mm. The three festivals each year can be found in Exodus chapter twenty three verse fourteen. Three times thou shalt keep a feast unto me in the year. Thou shalt keep the feast of unleavened bread. Thou shalt eat unleavened bread seven days, as I commanded thee in the time appointed of the month Abib. For in it thou camest out from Egypt, and none shall appear before me empty. And the feast of harvest, the first fruits of thy labors, which thou hast sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering, which is in the end of the year, when thou hast gathered in thy labors out of the field. Three times in the year all thy males shall appear before the Lord God. Now notice the end of the year, kind of interesting that we celebrate Rosh Hashanah, the end of the year or the agricultural year, which is kind of interesting. But uh, these three national feast days, how do the three national feast days show the redemptive plan of God? And I just want to kind of go over this in in closing here. Uh, First of all, Passover signifies redemption. Did God bring Israel out of Egypt? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Is Yeshua the Lamb? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Uh, do we become born again in the name of the Lamb? Oh, yes, yeah. yes, we do. We become born again. Are people being born again today? Absolutely. Uh, is Yeshua still the Lamb? Absolutely. Do the Jews reflect on uh, Israel coming out of Egypt every Pesach? Yes, they do. For sure. So one-third of this redemptive plan has come to pass, is coming to pass. Would you agree? I agree. So now we move into uh, Shavuot which is, of course, the Torah and the Spirit. Uh, In Exodus 19, in the third month, uh, the Mosaic Covenant was brought, or the marriage covenant with the children of Israel and Yahweh. Uh, Would you agree that Shavuot took place back then? I would agree. Absolutely, after Pesach. So that is really cool. So there is a Mosaic Covenant, a marriage covenant. We have the Torah, thank God, because of this. And would you say that in Acts 2, we were given the Holy Spirit? Oh, absolutely. On the day of Shavuot. Yes, when it had fully come. Yes, we were. So we do believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands. Yes, we do. Uh, Has that taken place? Absolutely. Is it still taking place? Absolutely. Yes. So here's where we're at, everybody. We're going back 2,000 years to Acts 2, but now we're approaching the end gathering, the final redemptive plan of God is coming to fruition because two-thirds have been fulfilled, will be fulfilled, are being fulfilled, and here we are at tabernacles, which means in gathering. That's why you see so much divisiveness and discord and wedges and things right now, 
because the enemy wants to keep us apart, not to have unity. So, so people are telling everyone what they're against, not what they're for. So would you say that Israel dwelt in temporary huts called a sukkah? I would say yes. Yes, they did. And so once again, we're having the restoration, the regathering of the whole house of Israel right now in our congregation with uh, the Hebrews of the Christian faith, having Judah in the house. We are moving towards the final part of God's redemptive plan in gathering. Amen. So I want to be gathered. So it's beginning. I mean, we're, we're in So there. if we wanted Jeremy and Jeremy wanted us, that's a beautiful thing. Amen. Amen. So any thoughts on this portion? Because we're doing really good today. We are. I will tell you that I love the feast days from so many different angles, from the fun of participating in them um, and the joy that comes, the way that it, it makes it you know easy to train your children up and to teach them about the things of God through the feast days. Uh, you know, easy ways to say, hey, we were supposed to remember this. We're supposed to remember that. Hey, this is the prophecy. Hey, this is what's coming, you know, um, through these things. But how cool is it that we've got two out of three, right, that are that have been fulfilled and are being and, fulfilled. And, and, and we're already 2,000 years past Acts 2. But now we're seeing people come out of the nations, and we're being gathered together ideologically, right? There's As the world is separating and polarized in different divisions, right? Yeah. And different lines. Because it says, uh, what, there'll be uh, wars and rumors of wars. We're here with all different types of people being gathered together, right? How cool is that? If that's not, the, you know, prophetic for what's coming, then I, I don't know what is. I, I'm excited about it, personally. So. There's a lot to this. Because I'm trying to think of my two things based upon a consensus. Right, I got two things. You want to hear my two things? Maybe that'll help you out. Yeah, I want to hear two things. Right, I got two things. My first one is this. God. Gives so what us two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion of Re A.C. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 26 through chapter 16 and verse 17 from a consensus of the group? From the consensus of Ryan. Oh, Ryan. Yeah. So God gives us a simple choice. Choose blessing or curse. Make the right choice. Wow. That's number one, huh? That's number one. Wow, that's pretty good. My second one is the Temple Mount is important. And that's what I got. That's really good. You know, I, I didn't really write anything. I, I'm kind of torn because it's kind of like, I want to say Jerusalem is important because that's where his name is. Yes. I'd like to say that. Yep. And then I would like to say that uh, if you keep the feasts, you're walking with God. Those are my two. I like that. Yeah, because Leviticus 23, which is part of the second half of 18 through 27. I like that. Part of the walk with God. And you know, Ryan, we're so blessed to, to, to walk this out, yeah. to work this out, because we're doing it. We're actually doing the Torah portion. We're reflecting. We're looking at it because we're going into a season of, of Teshuva, of the month of Elul, of Tishri, and all we have to be is obedient. Yeah. Don't don't do the squirrel, you know. Oh, look a squirrel! Right, right, right. Don't right. get distracted. Don't get distracted. Don't get pulled off the path, you know. Yeah. Because he'll he'll assault you on the path, even though you're on the path. He'll even assault you. Right. And you'll have something happen, even when you're obedient and, and running straight forward. You know. Yeah. He will assault you. He will. So so that's why we have everything here at Beitil that we need to do what's needed to be done. You know, last night Jeremy was here. He was speaking, and uh, I'm sitting. You know, I sit kind of closer to the back, and you're up here in the front. And uh, his first verse that he quoted was in Leviticus. Did you catch that? 
I I was excited. I, I thought you were going to fall out of your chair. I was going to do. I was the like, wa- wait, did he say? Leviticus? I didn't want to draw attention to myself. I wanted <laughs> to do the wave. And then I forget what the second thing was that he said. I, I can't remember which verse it was that he quoted, but it, it sounded like it came right out of your mouth. And I was like, man, that's so, my brother from another. Well, that's mother. what I mean. So what's even cooler? And and I know that you know there's there's certain amounts of of criticism that comes. And, and fearfulness and cautiousness that people feel bringing Orthodox Jews in, right, to, to come together for the things of God, right? And, and while I, can, I understand, right, we're not ignorant of why people feel the way that they feel or see the things they see, but when he shows up and he's saying the same things we're saying, right, he's like, I'm, I'm getting criticized by my people and I'm seeing the same things you're seeing in the scriptures and we're saying the same things and our message is the same as your message. And, you know, we're, we've got a, a big, you know, elephant in the room, which is right. It's the Messiah. It's Jesus. It's the King, right? What, it, what is there? But at the same time, it's like, you know, Jesus is going to figure that out. Right. Right. I, there's, I'm, I, there is nothing. I can't pour Jesus down their throat. No, enough no, to, no. To convince That's a personal them, right? decision. So it's not, I, I get released. I have a release. Woo. I feel free Woo. to do the things of God. And not have this burden that now I have to I have to perform in some because it's not us that brings people into the faith, right? It's, it's right. God brings. I people think it's into you know it's just like this, Ryan. It says right here in Zechariah eight twenty three, thus saith the Lord of hosts: In those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold out of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, We will go with you. For we have heard that God is with you. Amen. So the real simple fact is this. God is calling us to be with the Jewish people, to come alongside, to be in the same room, to have dialogue, some kind of a relationship at this time. Yeah. And so we are the foreigners. The ten represent the lost tribes, the northern kingdom. Right. These people will come out of the nations and they will hook up with the Jews, the ones that are righteous, the ones that are holy, the ones that are seeking the Lord. And, And like I said... At that point, that's all we really need to do. Well, and there's also there's a, an, a another way to look at that, and that is Yeshua. But what are we doing here? The Jew being Yeshua, we're grabbing his zitzit. Right. So remember this: in modern day mainstream Christianity, you know they'll say that he's a Jewish rabbi, but we don't act like he's a Jewish rabbi who's teaching Torah and keeping the feasts and the Sabbath and all of these things. We don't we don't adopt the culture of Jesus. We think that it's all ethereal, right? That it's up in the cloud and that it's all academic. Um, but uh, there's a, a phrase in the Torah that says, you know, says, hey, we'll do and then we'll understand. Yeah, we just have to build a relationship. Right, exactly right. And so I think... This that, has been going on for some time. And I think God is um, working through us to do the reconciliation piece. And what's cool is to be on the front row seats and and be part of it. Um, what an honor it is to participate in prophecy being fulfilled and seeing Jews and Christians coming together, you know? And that's, that's I, I just, I'm a beyond myself, you know? It, it's an honor and a privilege, it, it really is. is. And to do it in faith, I have no doubt. Right. I have no reservations. Right. Well, so, you know, I like then, that. To, and to be who we are, right? Because that's the other thing. Because you don't really love, you know, you're not really loved by somebody if you're hiding something from right. them, right? So yeah. to be Christians and to say, right. listen, Jesus is our main thing. We're we're going to keep the main. Yeah, thing, what you see thing. is what you get. We say Beit Israel. This is this over there. Right. But to still receive the love, right? 
that's cool. That's that's it is I'm, good, you know. And like I said, to go through some hardships and everything, it's all worth it. Yeah, amen. And then to amen. reciprocate that love, amen. So why don't you pray us out? Oh wow, whoo, shoo, ah. Thank you, Father, for this uh, Torah portion. Thank I'll you for be. the. We just thank you for the Jewish people right now, and uh, you've given them your Torah. And yes, God. there's quite a few of them uh, ministering and, and sharing and teaching to the Christians the Torah. There's Zoom calls, there's podcasts, there's all this these cool things that Judah is sharing the Torah portions, and it's acceptable, it's good. And we thank you for it. We thank you for, uh, unless you build this house, we labor in vain. And so this house of prayer that's going to possibly go up on the Temple Mount is very interesting because it's going to be for all nations. Hallelujah. So, Father, uh, we, we are told that uh, the Jews are the chosen people in your word. We are told that you made promises to them that you're keeping. And so we accept that and we, we promote that. We want that. And we just lift up all the evangelicals and Christians and pastors in this area or all over the world that would rise up and, and defend the Jewish people and pray for them and love them unconditionally. And we just uh, we thank you for this opportunity in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Have a great week.